episode is brought to you by Tech in Asia's very own Product Development Conference, which is taking place this June 8 and 9. More on that in a bit, but first, on with the show. where we discuss the biggest headlines to hit the startup scene with the journalists who broke the stories. My name's Nat, and today we're going to talk about whether Indonesia's online lenders will soon become obsolete. Over the past couple of years, the rise of digibanks has seen many of Indonesia's online lenders dipping their toes into the digital bank game. However, this phenomenon is raising questions as to whether digibanks will eventually render online lenders obsolete, or if there's room for coexistence in the future. My colleague, Budi Sutrisno, joins me for this story. Okay, so Budi, could you tell me a little bit about what's happening? Uh, Because there was a recent deluge of online and P2P lenders dipping their toes into digital banking. So could you tell me what's happening there and why uh, a lot of these online lenders are going into digital banking? Um, Because they need money. That's the simplest way (laughs) you can put it. You see, online lenders rely heavily on their own pockets to keep their business going. So it can limit them to expand their offerings or be sustainable. Right. Um, They have to make sure what they lend doesn't burn out what they have. Digital banks, on the other hand, have the privilege of bank credits. They also have a large inflow of consumer deposits, which allows them to offer more competitive interest rates. So joining hands with PG banks is really a tactical move for online lenders to get an external boost. Right. And I guess the question is what led so many of them to do this now? Was there an external factor that suddenly all these online lenders actually need a bunch of money to survive? I think it's because the digital banking industry is now uh, blossoming in Indonesia. Mm. It's just a new thing in Indonesia. So it's not just online lenders, but many other tech companies from different industry also. They also make this move. So I think it is just because of the the rise of the digital banking space in Indonesia. Right. So how does this move actually change the way that these online lenders might operate? Does it change anything for them or does it just mean that they also... Uh, have the benefits that digital banks have? So, of course, there are things that change. With digibanks uh, having bank deposits, online lenders can enjoy their steady stream of funds. Mm. If they, online lenders, do it on their own, they have to rely on individual investors or institutions. So having access to a bigger amount of funding allows online lenders to be less marginalized. They can expand their product offerings as well as their user base so this is what Akulaku, one of Indonesia's most prominent lenders that started out as a BNPL platform, mm. has acknowledged as well. The company is a shareholder in Bank Neo Commerce, which was previously a conventional bank new the Bhakti. Right. It has an attractive 8% uh, interest rate on time deposits, and it has gained over 14 million users since its launch as a digital bank less than two years ago. So we can see here that it is not just online lenders who need digibanks. 
Digibanks also enjoy some benefits by linking up with online lenders. We all know that profits for any bank, digital or not, are primarily from financial services like lending. So mm. it's really a mutually beneficial relationship. Right, right. And so in your article that you wrote about this phenomenon happening, you asked the question whether this will lead to Indonesia's online lenders becoming obsolete. Now, could you explain why you had this question? And I guess not just you, but why people are also in the industry thinking that this could be an outcome. Because, you know, with many online lenders moving toward the digital banking space in the past year or so, it is just an inevitable question that we have uh, whether online lenders in Indonesia will completely need the digital banking space or other industry to survive. But eventually we found out that it won't make them obsolete. Yes, it's true that external funding can fuel their lending propositions, but there are other factors, one of which is the target market. Mm. So digibanks will likely tap into the unbanked segment. This may include uh, consumers from the middle and higher classes living in areas where uh, traditional banking services are still limited. Mm. Online lenders, on the other hand, targets the subprime segment. This may refer to uh, borrowers with poor credit ratings. They usually represent a higher risk to lenders. So it's not the segment that digibanks will likely tap into. It's not something the banks are interested in. So online lenders will continue to exist because the demand is there. We'll be right back. Technisia's product development conference is back, and this time it's free. Join us this June 8 and 9 to hear from more than 20 product leaders of high-growth products who'll share actionable insights on product strategy, growth and analytics, Web3 product development, and more. So if you want to hear from, and maybe even network with, the best and brightest in Asia's tech scene, head on over to techin.asia/pdc and get your free tickets now. I'll see you there. Now, back to the show. And so um, you mentioned Akulaku earlier and its own efforts in dipping its toes into digital banking. Could you list any other examples of other prominent online lenders moving towards the digital banking space? There have been many of them, especially in the past year. But I think it's important to differentiate those who move toward the digital banking space through acquisitions and those who only through partnerships. Mm. So besides Akulaku, there is Credifo, which is also an online lender that started out as a BNPL platform. Both Akulaku and Credifo acquire a stake in a digital bank, with Credifo becoming a majority stakeholder in Bank Business International earlier this year. Mm. But one thing that stands out based on our observation is that there are more players who take the partnership role. So we have Akulaku and Credifo plus Modaku and WeLab that acquire a bank, a Digibank. But for the rest of the players in our list, such as Investry, Coinworks, Home Credit, and Credit Pintar, they all partner with Digibanks, most notably Bangjago. Mm. So Bangjago, of course, prides its strategic collaboration with other tech companies. Besides online lenders, 
it has also made some ties with companies from other industries like Gojek. Right. And these partnerships eventually led to a surge in loan disbursements so, and subsequently Bank Jago's profitability last year. Right, right. I guess, could you just outline like how different is it to go the acquisition route and the partnership route? I think there are some pluses and minuses if you choose to partner with Digibank instead of acquire or being acquired by them. So one of the reasons why many online lenders prefer having partnership with Digibank instead of making an acquisition effort is that the partnerships are less risky. For example, Bank Jago's non-performing loans only hit 0.6% despite the surge in loan disbursements, as I said earlier. Mm. We have to acknowledge that it is not just the online lending space that is kind of new or appears so popular just recently. Many Digibanks also popped up only in the last year or so. Right. So that's one of the differences. Another challenge when you are owning or being owned by a Digibank is that you get more disclosure requirements, especially for a publicly traded company. Right. So the partnership route is one that kind of has less red tape Mm. to cross for uh, these fintech startups, as well as one that's slightly lower risk for them to participate in this digital banking effort, right? Yeah, correct. Right. And so... Because, like you said, this is a fairly new thing on both sides. What are some of the challenges that are arising that you've observed in this move of online lenders to the digital banking space? There are several additional challenges, as our sources said, reflecting on their experience that come with going into the banking business, such as bigger capital requirements, Mm. as well as more regulatory surveillance. The government will charge you, I think, around 10 trillion rupiah or over 650 million US dollars. Wow. Yeah, just to set up a bank. This is the amount of paid up capital a prospective online lender must fulfill to get a license from the government. Mm. And another challenge, as I said, when you're owning or being owned by a Digibank, you get more disclosure requirements. Right. And if you're not ready, if you don't have a clear sense of where you stand, If your core business or your core lending business is not stable, it can be overwhelming or, as our source put it, a challenging juggling act. Right, right. And so is there kind of a quote unquote winning formula that online lenders can take in their approach to entering the digital banking space? Or is that something that just doesn't exist right now? So the winning formula is a term uh, used by WeLab to refer to its uh, hybrid lending banking approach. Mm. So the company has both a lending business called WeLand and a Digibank called WeLab Bank. WeLab said that the approach helped them uh, reach an unprecedented 100% yearly growth in loan disbursement volume last year. Mm. There's not much they said about the approach, but one thing for sure is that WeLab recognizes how both industries provide huge opportunities in Indonesia. So I think what we have to acknowledge also is the advantage online lenders have when they stay exclusively in online lending without dipping their toes into digital banking, Mm. which is they are less regulated and they can be more agile in working with their partners and other parties. But that being said, staying exclusively in online lending also limits the types of complementary fintech services that online lenders can offer. Investry noted that Due to the OJK regulation number 77, they find it difficult to develop more services for MSMEs. So it is the same regulation that has been 
heavily criticized by online lenders due to its restrictive policies, among which is the increase of the paid up capital of prospective online lender must fulfill to set up a bank, as I said earlier, mm. which is causing concern that it makes it harder for new players to enter the online lending industry. So with the limitations, uh, while on the other hand, Indonesia's underserved MSMEs provide a tremendous demands uh, of lending services, it's a reasonable move to just try the hybrid you know, lending banking approach or the winning formula. Right. And so I guess to sort of start wrapping this conversation up, you did mention earlier that in your research for this piece, you did find out eventually that online lenders in Indonesia will not become obsolete. Now, the question I have is, is that something for the short term or is that also in the long term that online lending will always be present in Indonesia? I think online lenders will continue to have a part to play for the long run. Mm. As I said, online lenders and digital banks serve different markets. Even when DigiBanks eventually offer lending services directly without partnering or acquiring an online lender, they will likely tap into the unbanked segment instead of the subprime segment. So there's still room for coexistence. Multi-finance companies in Indonesia are an indication of this coexistence. The relationship between multi-finance companies and traditional banks reflect the one between online lenders and DG banks now. Mm. So conventional banks in the country like Bank Central Asia and Mandiri created multi-finance entities called uh, BCA Finance and Mandiri Finance, respectively, to funnel funds for risky loans. Uh, they cater to a subprime customer niche that online lenders will also continue to occupy. Right, right. And so I guess this is more of an evolution of the online lending scene as opposed to a threat to the industry, right? Yeah. What do you see happening further to the online lending and digital banking sectors in the near future? I think going forward, we will see more tech players moving toward the digital banking space. And as our source said, they will aim to capture the full stack of digital banking services. Both digital banking and online lending are still burgeoning in Indonesia, and there is still a sea of untapped customers needing their services. But one thing to notice is that it won't just be fintech players or online lenders that rest in the digital banking market. Other tech players like e-commerce companies, which are also thriving right now, will also continue to move toward the industry. Mm. I have mentioned Gojek earlier, but there are also funding societies and Caro, for example, who made a joint investment in Bank Index recently. So I think we will see more tech players across industry putting money into the digital banking industry. For more stories on Indonesia's digibanks, online lenders, and all the other burgeoning industries across Asia's tech and startup scene, visit techin.asia/sub to become a TechNasia subscriber. Or you could also subscribe to this podcast where we're running deep dives every month. That's it for this episode. Special thanks to Budi Sutrisno for joining me. Let me know if you liked it or if you have any particular stories you'd like to hear us talk about. You can send us an email at podcast at techinasia.com or comment wherever you're listening from. We'd love to know what you think. Until next time, my name's Nat. Thanks for listening. <laughs>